Hi there. My name is Grant Fishbook, and I'm the lead teaching pastor here at Christ the King Community Church in Bellingham, Washington. And I'd like to thank you for accessing this online content today. And one of our deeply held values here at Christ the King is biblical community. In fact, our mission statement starts with the words, our mission is to create an authentic Christian community. So while we're so glad you've chosen to join us today, I also want to remind you, this is just no replacement for face-to-face biblical community in a local church. So if you're watching this around the world or in different part of the country, we really want to encourage you to get connected in a local church where you can both get to know Jesus and be known as a person because your life really matters. If you happen to be in our area here in Whatcom County, we would love to invite you to any one of our five campuses. You can find out our times and locations at ctk.church. So in a couple of hours, the Patriots and Eagles are going to play. You're going to go nuts and crazy, and you're going to have all kinds of passion. So let's try that again with just a little bit more energy, like channel your inner chicken wing already that you've already eaten, all right? Good morning, sleeping service. There we go. That's what I'm talking about. I've met you before. My name is Grant. Welcome to church. We're glad that you're here. There are moments when I find myself just thinking in my brain a simple one-word question. Seriously? Seriously. I saw a picture last week in the newspaper of a lady in Oregon who brought back her dead Christmas tree and tried to return it to Costco. (laughs) Some of you saw the same picture. Her explanation was, it's dead. Seriously? Maybe some of you saw another story last week of a lady who tried to bring a comfort animal on a commercial airline. No problem with comfort animals. It was a peacock. (laughs) Can you imagine if that bird got startled on board? It's just like, woo, right? Not a good thing. Last week in the United States of America, a jetliner, a commercial jetliner got turned around because of a plugged toilet. That didn't make me say seriously. What made me say seriously was the fact that on board that plane, there were 85 plumbers. (laughs) One of them couldn't figure it out what to do. I'm just like... Seriously? Like, seriously. It happens all the time. I pulled up in front of my house the other day. This box is on our front doorstep. I'm thinking to myself, that's awesome. Laurel must have offered, she must have ordered me like a new, a new softball bat or something, maybe a golf putter, even though I don't play golf. I mean, I thought there's got to be something epic inside of that particular box. Do you know what was inside of it? Two tubes of mascara. Seriously? Does Amazon even know about this? Like, what in the world are you thinking putting this inside of this? I mean, we've spent the last month asking a very simple question, a sobering question. Do I take Jesus seriously? 
How do I respond when Jesus just comes to me and says things like, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. There are no commandments greater than these. Do I look at that and go, yes, absolutely, or do I think, seriously? I got enough stuff to do on my own. Do I take Jesus seriously with the big things that he says? Do I take Jesus seriously with the smaller things that he says? How about this one? What do we do? Do we take Jesus seriously when he says, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions? Do we take him seriously or does the pile of stuff that we have actually lead us to a completely different conclusion that I don't really care what Jesus says about stuff, I'm going to do whatever I want to because I don't take him seriously. What about when Jesus tells us a story in scripture? Modernized version, a young aggressive stockbroker makes a promise to his family, his wife and his kids over and over again. I'll promise to show up and be completely present with you after we achieve financial security. So evening after evening, day after day, he spends time knocking down financial barriers. He tears down uh, financial barriers. He plans his portfolios. He adjusts his assets. And then one night, as he was common, he says to his wife, you know what, I'll tell you what, I'll be in bed in a few hours. I just got to go work the stock market just a little bit more. But this night is different because she wakes up at 2 o'clock in the morning and he's not in bed beside her. So she goes downstairs and she walks over him and, and notice that he's just, he's just sleeping at his desk in his pursuit of making sure that everything is just financially stable. And she walks up to him and she puts her hand on his shoulder and he's cold. He's gone. So she plans a funeral and she tries to explain his absence to their children and and she buries him in the ground. And do I take it seriously when Jesus tells a story of a well-intended barn builder who tore down his infrastructure and rebuilt it all in the pursuit of financial freedom? Do I take it seriously when Jesus says, when it comes to that person, that he would inscribe a four-letter word on his tombstone? Do I take it seriously when Jesus says, the name I have for a man who puts all of his investment in earthly things, the name I have for him is fool. Some of us are like, that's harsh, Grant. No, that's Jesus. Do I take him seriously? In the Bible, Jesus has gone to Jerusalem. He's been betrayed, arrested, falsely accused. He's been tried and declared guilty of blasphemy. He's been crucified, buried, and left for dead but even in his dead state, God breathes life into Jesus again. He comes back to life. He's wandering around the countryside sharing breakfast with his team. He keeps popping up in rooms with scared followers. And he answers the question of a guy who's really, really struggling with doubt, a guy by the name of Thomas. All of that happens. And then this happens in scripture in Matthew 28. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. Oh, but here's this next phrase. But some of them doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All of it has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Let me ask you a question about that little phrase. But some of them doubted. I mean, after everything the disciples had seen, why would there be any doubt? The disciples had seen Jesus walk on water. The disciples had seen Jesus speak to a storm and had it go completely calm. 
The disciples had seen Jesus give sight to a blind man, allow a cripple to walk. I mean, they'd seen all of that with their own eyes. They'd seen him dead and buried, and now he's standing in front of them, and they're still struggling with doubt. Why? Because they're human. Because they all struggle with faith, like we all struggle with faith. I mean, we know in our heart Jesus is real and true because we've experienced him, but there's moments when we hear what he says and our response is a one-word question, like, seriously? Seriously? I'm supposed to go? I'm supposed to carry this message? When it comes to global evangelization, I'm plan A and there is no plan B? Seriously? Let me propose why I think we all struggle with doubt from time to time. I believe we all struggle with doubt because God asks us to trust Him with the details, and then often there's a lack of details. There's a lack of details, and that's the seedbed of where real faith happens. Some of you remember back to the Genesis series. That's what we're going to do, by the way. We're going to hit May again. We got through about the first 16 chapters of Genesis. We're going to pick up right there and go all the way through the rest of the summer. But you'll remember some of the stories, right? Adam, no clothes, small detail. But you're going to have to trust me. Noah, your boat doesn't have a rudder. Small detail. Just trust me. Abraham, not going to give you a map. Trust me. Gideon, you don't have a big army. And when you finally figure out what size of army, the way we're going to do the, the warrior criterion is by how people actually drink out of a creek. Small detail. Just trust me. Joseph and Mary, no premarital sex for you. This whole pregnancy thing, you're just going to have to trust me. I mean, God often asks us to trust him with details, and then there's a lack of details which causes questions. Can you imagine what the disciples are thinking when Jesus shows up and says, you're the plan? I can just imagine them looking at each other going like, there's only 11 of us. There were 12. One guy fell off the wagon. Not very good. There's only 11 of us, and we're the plan for taking this message to the rest of the world Seriously? And then in Acts chapter 1, it actually goes to another level. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus is talking to his disciples. In verse number 7, it says this, he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set by his own authority. Let me give you a modern translation. If you dare to call yourself a follower of Jesus, here's what you need to get used to. No calendar, no clock, no org chart, no policy manual, no instruction booklet, no insider information, just a promise. Verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So there's the promise. The Holy Spirit will come. There will be power, and God will put on you, the people I'm looking at as plan A, he will put power on you to change the world in the concentric circles that start in your neighborhood. Some of you making the connection now? starts in your Jerusalem. Jesus makes the promise, and then the craziest thing happens. What happens after Jesus says, go therefore make disciples, and you will be my witness? If you don't know, let me fill in the blank for you. He leaves. Thank you very much. He leaves. Twice in my life, I'm working, twice in my life, I'm working on a church staff, following a senior pastor, following my marching orders, and then because of their own decisions, which by the way were sinful decisions, and 
Don't judge that because we've all made sinful decisions, true? But on two different occasions, all of a sudden, they were gone. Gone. I'll tell you what, when you're left behind and your leader that you've invested in is suddenly just gone, what feels like off the face of the planet, that is not a good feeling. When you walk in the next morning and their office is dark and there's nobody there, it just leaves you with this emptiness. But that's not what's happening here. Jesus says, yes, I'm going, but I'm going to send someone to look after you. The Holy Spirit of God, the Comforter, is going to come and give you His presence, wrap you in His power, so you can take me seriously when I tell you, go and make disciples. Spread the word, preach and teach, love and live, baptize and become. You can actually say, okay, seriously, that's what God wants me to do. So for those of you who don't know, in about 22 minutes... My wife and I and two other couples from Christ the King, we're going to try and take Jesus seriously and we're leaving, okay? We're hoping to come back, just so we're clear, okay? Okay, hoping to come back. If you don't want me to come back, you can pray that way, but that's okay. Anyways, um, but we're going because Jesus told us to go and also because of your dedication to what we call the Great Commission. So here's what we're doing. In the next 24 days, my wife and I and two other couples from Christ the King are literally going around the world. By 6 o'clock tonight, when you're just finishing up your chicken wings, we're going to be on a flight to London. We're going London to Rome, Rome to Sicily, Sicily to Istanbul, Istanbul to Nairobi, Nairobi to Dubai, Dubai to Bangkok, Bangkok to Phuket, Phuket back to Dubai, and then to Seattle home in 24 days. All the way around the world. Okay? And, and, and you should pray. You should pray. But I want to answer some questions before we go. Why do we take seriously the command to go and witness to the ends of the earth? Why are we even doing this? Let me tell you. Number one, it's because we have much to learn. We have much to learn. If you really want to learn how to worship, you should go to Africa. They will worship your face off. They will take the worship of God to an entirely different level. We could learn something from our African brothers and sisters about truly entering into the presence of a most holy God. If you want to learn how to make a disciple who makes a disciple, you should go to Thailand. Because they're all first generation believers. They understand something. If they don't make a disciple who makes a disciple, the movement of God in Thailand is going to be dead in one generation. They will not let that happen. We could learn that. If you want to learn about prayer, you should go meet some of our brothers and sisters in South Korea. It's normal for them to get up at four o'clock in the morning and pray for four hours before they go to work. That's normal for them. And they cannot understand for the life of them why American believers will not have that level of dedication. I think it's interesting. You want to know where the most Christian country in the world is, it's Korea. I wonder if there's a connection there. If you want to know how to have courage in the face of persecution, you should sit face to face with our brothers and sisters from India, some of whom physically train every day because they know the second they walk into a market and mention the name of Jesus, they're going to be beaten. So they train so they can withstand the beating so they can go back the next day and talk about Jesus. We have so much to learn from our brothers and sisters around the world. They have so much to teach us. Secondly, we've got a lot to give. We've been blessed to be a blessing. I am looking 
everyone in this room is in the 96th percentile of the richest people on the face of the planet. If you had a roof over your head last night and you ate at least one meal today, that puts you in the 96th percentile. Some of you are like, I'm not rich. I'm like, in comparison to who? In comparison to who? We've been blessed to be a blessing. A dollar here doesn't buy you very much. I'll tell you something. On the other side of the world, an American dollar can feed a lot of people all by itself. A few years ago, you participated in a Bible project. We raised about $50,000. We actually were able to be a part of a project that translated the Life Application Bible and its study notes into Thai for the very first time in history. And then Laurel and I got an opportunity to go out with two other couples from CTK. We had an opportunity to go around and we, we would walk into these house churches. They would open up a box and when they saw what was inside of those boxes, when they saw that there were Bibles with study notes, that they could, these little spontaneous spiritual parties would break out. Like I, got, I, I got 17 Bibles on my shelf right now. They were just so overjoyed. And just so you know, Christ the King, that little Bible project that we did has turned into a full-blown church planting movement in Thailand that's been replicated hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of times. We get to be a part of that. We have much to give. Thirdly, we got much to gain. When we go, we, we gain insight, and we gain compassion, and we gain hope, and we gain peace. We gain knowledge. Did you know this? In Central America today, the natural birth rate has actually been eclipsed by the spiritual birth rate. More people are coming to Jesus than are being born in Central America. We got a lot to gain, because I'll tell you what, if I could sit down right now with a group of Central American pastors who have brought the gospel to a place where there's more people getting saved than are actually being born, I'd have one question. How are you pulling that off? Because that is not the case here. Not even close. We have much to gain. We have much to love. We have family all around the world, and our common family connection is Jesus. So in the coming weeks... The Fishbooks, the Gustafsons, and the Johnsons are going to have an opportunity to sit face-to-face with our family in Sicily, in Africa, and in Southeast Asia, and the one person who will hold us all together is Jesus. Last year, we had an opportunity to go to a pastor's conference in Kibera. Kibera is the largest slum in the world outside of Nairobi, Kenya. Pastors came to a place to be trained in in Scripture. Some of them, I tell you, it was so unbelievably humbling. Some of them walked for three days to get to our conference. Three days. It was unbelievable. One afternoon, in a move of the Spirit, we had an opportunity as a team from Christ the King to wash the feet of our brothers and sisters in Africa. I was never so moved by how touched they were that we would... Be a family at that level. Just in case you're wondering, we didn't come up with that on our own. Jesus did that. And we're just following his example. We have much to love. So before we go and jet out the back door and disappear, I want to tell you what our mission's convictions are because I think it's really, really important that you guys know this so you can be praying for us while we go. 
Okay, number one, it's simple. Why, this is why we believe in strategic partnership. We do missions together with our church family on the other side of the world. We don't just write checks and hope things go well. We partner together with our brothers and sisters. Because we believe not only do we have much to give, but we've got much to learn from them. So let me answer the question, why Sicily? Like, you know Sicily, right? It's the island off the toe of the boot in Italy. Why that piece of rock, that one? Let me tell you why. It's because it's a strategic entry point for the movement of people. Refugees from around the world funnel their way through Sicily to get to Italy so they can get into other parts of Europe. A man came to me several years ago. His name is Guy Sotili, Guy and Sandra. In fact, I got a picture. There's Guy and Sandra. He's the only guy that I will allow to kiss me as many times as he's kissed me because he's truly Italian, right? You get both cheeks, sometimes three at a time. I love him. He just is lit up all of the time at what God is doing. But he planted the seed in my brain. He goes, Grant, if refugees are coming to Sicily in unprecedented numbers, if we can get them unstuck from Sicily, what if as they fan out across Europe, if we can introduce them to Jesus, what if they stopped being refugees and they became missionaries? And what if they took the gospel of Jesus with them as they fanned out across Europe? Guy and Sandra lead an organization called Italy for Christ. Guy and Sandra introduced us to another man. His name was Pastor Francesco Romeo. We're going to see Francesco uh, in, in just a couple of days. Some of you will remember me talking about him the last time we came home from one of our missions excursions. I'm standing outside of the front door of Francesco's church, and Francesco says, Grant, what's your competition in the United States? I said, football, apathy, and materialism. I said, Francesco, what's, what's your competition he pointed down the alleyway to an open kind of a parking lot area. He goes, that parking lot has more drugs through, go through it than any other place in Europe. It's the home of the largest European drug cartel in all of Europe. He pointed the other direction. He says, you see that big, big brick building on the corner there? That's the largest brothel in Sicily. The average age of a girl inside of that building is 12. And then he pointed across the street. He goes, that's the home of the Sicilian mafia. And in Sicily, it's not a movie called The Godfather. It's real. Wow. Pastor Francesco faces down that competition every single day. I'm going to ask you a question, Christ the King. Is it any wonder why we would partner with a man of that kind of courage? To bring the gospel of Jesus to people who desperately, desperately need it. Secondly, why Africa? Well, it's because it's an opportunity for us to affect children and entire tribes. Let me introduce you to two unbelievable people. This is Thomas and Beatrice Amolo. Thomas has been here before. He's prayed over you in Swahili. If you remember the moment, it was absolutely beautiful. When we get to heaven someday, um, uh, he's not going to be hosting our welcome home parties. We're going to host his. Because this man is a biblical hero to me. If you ask Thomas how many children that he has, he'll say, uh, somewhere over 600. Because he leads two different schools and an orphanage. And all of those schools are at the top of the education standard in Kenya, in the middle of a slum. And the reason that that happens is because those two people love Jesus. So we've been partnering with them for years. 
We're also going to be meeting with John and Jacinta McCallway. These people are unbelievable. John leads and Jacinta lead all of our ministry in Tanzania. They're coming north to Kenya to spend a few days with us. They do widow and orphan ministry. They are transforming so many areas, especially the Maasai areas, in a place called Engekeret, which means dry, dusty land. It's the opposite of Bellingham, Washington, okay? And they're training up an entire generation of humble servants. That's why we're going to Africa. Why Thailand? Why Thailand? It's because it's a strategic entry point into the rest of Southeast Asia. It's, it's so open to opportunities for church planting. When I come back, I'm going to bring a challenge to you. We're going to try and do the largest missions offering and the largest missions initiative we've ever done as a church. I'm going to ask you as a church to contemplate something. If you could plant a house church on the other side of the world for $300, would you do it? 300 bucks plants a church on the other side of the world and looks after the pastor and whatever else they happen to be doing for a year. 300 bucks. Let me do the math for you. That's a mocha a week. (laughs) We're going to try and plant 250 churches in Thailand next year. 250, and all I need is a group of people who will take Jesus seriously, give up a mocha a week, and plant a church on the other side of the world. You with me? I mean, think about it. While we're over there, we're going to be meeting Pastor Anuparp. I love this guy. Pastor Anuparp uh, pastors the largest evangelical church in Bangkok, Thailand. They are revolutionizing that city through their ministry. Uh, Two Sundays from now, while I'm well, you guys are doing your thing here. I'll be preaching at his church over on the other side. Also, I'd like to introduce you to Enoch and Leah Syracule. It's not a great picture. Some of you know the story. So several years ago, we went to Thailand and our host was, was Enoch. Everybody calls him Nock. Just after we got home, Nock passed away from a massive heart attack. And someday I'm going to need to sit down with Jesus and say, okay, you're going to need to explain the timing of that. Because I thought that relationship is what this was all about. Enoch got to go home and be with Jesus. Leah has picked up the torch. It took seven different organizations to fill Enoch's shoes. Leah represents one of them called ISERV. It's a young adult ministry that is transforming the spiritual landscape in Thailand. And we're going to go there and do the best we can to spoil her rotten because she is a hero of the faith. That's why we're going to those three places. It's because we have family, your family, waiting for us on the other end. And I know some of you are still asking a logical question. Why can't we just focus here? Jesus said, start in Jerusalem. Well, that would be here, Bellingham, Whatcom County. Let me tell you why. It's because around the world there's equal need, but there's not equal access. You can turn on a radio and hear the gospel, 106.5. You can turn your television on and have multiple channels talking about the gospel. That's not the way it is around the rest of the world. So we have to focus in areas that don't have the gospel because everyone needs to hear about Jesus. The Bible says that it is not God's will that any should perish and we need to take that seriously. Let's keep going. Why are we doing this? Our convictions, we believe in indigenous leadership. We think the best way to reach Italy is with Italians. We think the best way to reach Thailand is with Thais. We think the best way to reach Kenyans is with Kenyans. They understand culture, they understand customs, they understand language. 
So we want to pour into indigenous leaders with what we can offer. You know what we have? We have Bible training. We're blessed. And now we have an opportunity to give it away. Several years ago, I was meeting with a Thai businessman. His name is Dr. V. We were struggling to communicate with each other. We were trying hard. And Dr. V and I are having this conversation. And finally, I'm just like, Holy Spirit, I need help. I'm not sure how to connect with him. And God gave me a simple sentence. So I internalized it very quickly. And I said, Dr. V, here's the deal. We're in the import-export business. We want to export Bible training to your pastors because we think we can help. We want to import your national plan because the United States of America does not have a national plan to church plant strategically all across this country. They actually have that. They map their entire country. They can tell you exactly where every single church is and whether or not someone got saved in it that weekend. And they made a commitment to each other. They would only plant a church where there isn't one. Can you imagine what would happen in North America if we all made that decision that we would only plant a church where there isn't one? Is it any wonder God is stirring something in Thailand that they have never seen or experienced before? It's for one reason. It's because God doesn't want us to focus on building our little K, CTK kingdom. He wants us to focus on building the big K, Jesus kingdom. And we do that in partnership around the world with other leaders. Let me add one more piece here. We believe, this is our conviction, we believe in godly authority, humble service, powerful discipleship, biblical teaching, water baptism, pure reconciliation, and Holy Spirit power. The reason we're going over there is because Jesus has so inspired us to take him seriously that because he said go, we're like, okay. Can I tell you why this is important for you to know? It's because we couldn't do that if it wasn't for you. You're the ones who are making this possible. You're the ones, because of your sacrifice and your generosity, are allowing us to build these strategic relationships around the world. You're the reason we get to celebrate every single time a person in Thailand comes to Jesus. I was at the Garden of Eden several years ago. It's one of the small orphanages in Africa. Just a couple weeks before we were there, someone abandoned a baby outside of the front gates. Do you know why? A little girl got to come in to those gates. Because somebody here sacrificed and gave and opened a door so Thomas and Beatrice were able to say, bring her inside. Do you know who that little girl is now? She's your sister. And someday in heaven, she might walk up to you and say, we never met down there. But you got to be a part of me being up here. So thank you. I feel like preaching now. <laughs> Just in case you're wondering, got about 40 hours of teaching and preaching to do while I'm over there. You can pray for me. That would be awesome. You should also pray for my interpreter. I'm just saying, I get a little amped up when it comes to this stuff, and they got to stick with me all the way through. Last one, we actually believe that God is serious about reaching the whole planet. We think Jesus is serious about reaching this globe 
We believe he's serious about how much he loves us. We believe he's serious about loving you. And we believe he's serious about Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. So we need you to pray for us. While I'm gone, three of your pastors are going to do an amazing job here. You've heard the phrase before, uh, same difference? Well, they're going to do a series called Same Indifference. Pastor Todd, Pastor Lem, and Brian Behrens are going to be teaching and preaching while I'm gone. Every week, we're going to send back video snapshots. We're going to play a little game of where in the world are Grant Laurel Fishbuck. Um, that's what we're going to do. And so we'll send you back. If you haven't uh, had an opportunity to connect on our Facebook page, um, it's called Grant Fishbook CTK Community. And I'll post updates there and prayer requests and, and everything else. What we need for you to do more than anything is just pray that we will go with God's itinerary, not ours. If we get bumped off a plane somewhere, we're going to assume that God has a very important appointment for us somewhere in that airport. And we're going to hold our hands like this and say, Jesus, it's your trip. So wherever you want us to go, we'll go. And I thank you for the honor of being able to take your greetings and your love to our brothers and sisters on the other side of the world. They're a little freaked out by this crazy group of people in Bellingham. They're a little freaked out because they're not exactly sure why we want to be friends, not just check writers. Well, we'll love them into a greater understanding as best we can. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to get prayed over, and then we're going to leave. We're going out the back door as quick as we can because uh, we got to get on a flight. So enjoy the football and the chicken wings, um, but we're going to pray first. In fact, what's going to happen is this. So... Um, Jack and Michelle, who are coming on the team, and my wife, Laurel, who's sitting right over here in this corner, um, uh, we're going to get prayed over. Pastor Todd's going to come and pray. And so I'm going to ask if some people would help me out. So I need some people from this section, kind of right over here. Could you guys get close enough to Jack and Michelle and Laurel, my daughter-in-law, Olivia? They're right there in the corner. Could you guys just, if you get called, somebody get, get over there, get a hand on their shoulder. There we go. Awesome. Good, 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 good. And Pastor Todd's going to pray. And we're going to receive your blessing and your commissioning. And then we're going to head out the back door as fast as we can. So the Apostle Paul was telling the early church, hey, everybody matters. Everybody around the planet. And he said these words. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Uh, church, one of the things we do around here, especially at baptisms, we hold out a hand of blessing. I know it's kind of awkward. Do it anyway. Um, let's, let's pray over this whole team and those guys over there too. Lord God, we thank you for the amazing grace you have given us. Lord, we thank you for this team. I, I pray right now for the fish books and the Johnsons who are here. I also pray for the Gustafsons who are at home packing, getting ready. May these three couples have many holy moments. May they follow your spirit's promptings. Lord, I thank you for Grant's giftedness of teaching, and I do pray for those interpreters, Lord. Mm -hmm. uh, give them just great capacity to keep up with them. But Lord, may they have a delight as they encounter peoples from different cultures in different areas, and may they joyfully share the love of Jesus. We ask this boldly in your name. And all God's people said, 
Amen. Amen. Thanks again for watching. We're so glad that you joined us today. Once again, we hope you'll get involved in biblical face-to-face -face community wherever you happen to be today. If you'd like more information about Christ the King Community Church, if you'd like to give online, or if you'd like to submit a prayer request, or even get connected in a small group, you can find out more about us at ctk.church.